Hello, everyone, and welcome to the July 23rd, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going great, Blair. We've got training camps opening. We've got uh, football right around the corner. Can't wait. What about yourself? Yeah, it's going great. The uh, you know the news is starting to speed up a little bit as we come into training camp, so it's an exciting time to be uh, talking football. Joining us today on the show is Mike Brody. Mike is a contributor for Rotoviz and a consultant for Draft Day Consultants. Most notably, Mike is one of the co-founders of Apex Fantasy Football Leagues. You can follow him on Twitter at Brody M. Mike, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, before we get going, tell us a little bit about Apex Fantasy Football Leagues. Okay. So Apex is a website that I started. I kind of knew what was being offered in the fantasy football industry. And I didn't think there was a great low stakes provider. I think the NFFC does a pretty good job for the high stakes, but in terms of low stakes and in terms of trading to make your roster better, I thought that there was something that could be improved. Apex has now been around for six seasons and we host mainly 12 team PPR leagues. We have dynasty leagues. We have live drafts, email drafts. Um, we try to be a provider for, uh, competitive players and provide a skill based outlet for people to play at. One of the ways that we do that is each week, instead of just playing against one of the random opponents in the league, you will also play against the average. So we try to take out the randomness of fantasy football and kind of help the best teams win. So we provide all of our winners with great payouts, great place to play. Come try us out. Definitely, definitely want to check that out. Apex, uh, I know, Hassan, you've been playing on there a bit. Uh, Sounds like a really fun way to play fantasy football, something that uh, really kind of takes a a lot of the luck out of your weekly results. So. Uh, Definitely want to check that out. All right, let's get into news item number one. Uh, The Rams signed wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a five-year $80 million extension through 2023, of which $20.5 million is guaranteed. So Cooks' annual salary will average about $16 million. Uh, Mike, given that the Rams moved aggressively for Cooks after letting Sammy Watkins walk in free agency, do you think he's slated for a bigger role than we might expect? Um, I I don't disagree with the theory that McVay prefers Cooks to Watkins, but they did part with a second round pick to get Watkins. So obviously they signed the extension with Cook. McVay really likes Cook, but I think it's kind of going to be hard in such a balanced offense for Cooks to be a wide receiver one um, or even like a middle to high end wide receiver two. The Rams threw the ninth fewest passes in the NFL uh, with 518 attempts and Watkins, who I imagine will play uh played a similar role in the offense to what Cooks will play, only saw 70 out of Goff's 477 attempts. So that's a 14.7% market share. And even if we bump the Rams up to like 540 attempts and assume 20% for Cooks, it's still only 108 targets. So it's going to be really hard for him when he's going around wide receiver 18 to uh, justify being selected there. Uh, Watkins finishes a wide receiver 41. So I don't find myself selecting Cooks really on any teams right now. I'd rather target guys who look likely to receive more targets. Yeah, um, Cooks isn't someone I had been targeting really uh, 
going into this season, kind of for all the reasons you mentioned, it looks like it might be hard for him to actually get targets in this offense. Um, on the other hand, you know, the the contract that they just gave him, you know, I hate to be one of the people that says, oh, they just gave him such a big contract. That means they want to use him a lot because that's not always necessarily the case. But I mean, you know, a five-year, $80 million contract, that is a pretty strong positive signal. I mean, Cooks, uh, he's had over a thousand receiving yards each of the last three seasons. Uh, he's still only 25 years old. He's probably, uh, you know, arguably a little bit more versatile than Watkins is. Uh, so it, I think it is possible that they can find more creative ways to use him, uh, work him into the offense in ways that sort of, um, you know, probably eat into Robert Woods and Cooper Cup's workloads a little bit more than Watkins was able to do. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't started really drafting him, uh, but his upside is intriguing, I'll say. Or I guess this new contract yeah. makes him a little more intriguing than he had been. And I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying. I was drafting a ton of Cooks last year on the Patriots mm-hmm. after Edelman went down. And I think that Cooks is a fantastic wide receiver. I don't, I don't want what I'm saying to... Uh, be any reflection of what I think of him as a wide receiver. I just think Goff kind of prefers the easy completions uh, over the middle, whether it's Woods or Cup. And I'm sure that Cooks will get involved in that. But where he's going and his price, while you're projecting that offense, it looks very hard for him to justify being selected there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's hard to hard to really find where those targets are going to come from if he's going to get more targets than Watkins. Exactly. And I kind of just want to point out that a lot of the offseason moves they made has been to bolster their defense, which in turn kind of will cut down the amount that this team has to kind of pass. Uh, Mike already mentioned that they weren't particularly aggressive in terms of throwing the football, but with a defense that prevents, uh, you know, points and big plays, what you're really looking for is, and if they were able to jump out to a uh, lead early on, you're probably looking at them attempting to grind out the clock, probably put the opposition into forcing the offense the, the the opposition offense into playing with a higher variance or taking more chances through the air rendering more turnovers uh, which again would sort of what i'm trying to say is this is going to be an, an offense that ostensibly runs to Todd Gurley at the end of the day uh, the three wide receivers while they will probably provide value maybe cooks and Woods are slightly overvalued. Maybe Cop will be the guy if he's able to maintain his depressed ADP, but probably not. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Um, I, I like that idea. I think that it's going to be a high-value offense. I think they Sean McVay does a great job with the team. I think they'll be scoring. I think they'll have great field position with that defense. And I, I think Woods is my favorite value out of those players, but I do respect the idea of taking the cheapest one because you get a part of the offense cup is still going to have a decent market share in my opinion i think it's gonna be very spread um so i like the idea of taking the cheaper ones and then you still get a part in that offense and you still have a guy who may not be extremely reliable every week but as a bi-week filler he'll be a, a decent player Andrew Kramer of the Minneapolis Star Tribune expects Kyle Rudolph to play a major role in offensive coordinator John DeFilippo's offense this season, given that DeFilippo's offenses have historically featured the tight end heavily. Mike, how high are you on Rudolph's fantasy outlook this season, and how do you expect the targets to shake out among all other Vikings Vikings receivers? 
So I think Rudolph is definitely a decent player, and the offense is clearly favorable to tight ends. But I think that good coaches, and I think that DiFilippo looks at this point with the information we know, he looks like he has a good chance of being a good coach. Um, and I think good coaches tailor their offenses to their best players. And I think Diggs, Steelen, and Dalvin Cook are probably the best players on this offense. So I don't think that the offense is suddenly going to run through Rudolph or that it will drastically change. I think he'll continue to kind of see his 15 to 17% market share and be a big factor in the red zone. But I wouldn't take him above the top five or six tight ends. Uh, I still uh, think that he'll kind of be involved, but not be the focus for the offense. In terms of the wide receivers, I love Diggs and Thielen. Uh, I think both of them will continue to maintain over 20% market shares. And Diggs is kind of more the person that I lean to. I don't think we've seen the best Diggs season yet. I think it's possible that when it's all said and done, last year ends up being the best uh, season of Thielen's career. Um, but I would take both in the third round in PPR leagues like Apex that start four, four wide receivers. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, even though we saw kind of like, for instance, what Ertz did with the Eagles, uh, you know, DeFilippo wasn't exactly running that offense, but I'm sure he, he had a large say in where the targets went. Um, but, you know, there's obviously a question as to whether Rudolph is quite the talent that Ertz is. Um, so I think you make a good point about, about good coaches tailoring their offense to fit the players. Um, yeah, and like you, I'm also expecting a, a big uh, step forward from Diggs this season. So, uh, you know, just in terms of kind of what I'm <laughs> expecting or hoping from the offense, I guess, there's not a lot of room for Rudolph to really uh, get more targets. Um, I mean, he had almost 120 in 2016, I think, and then kind of took a big step back last season when both Thielen and Diggs were performing at a high level. And I think it's more likely that Thielen and Diggs continue uh, you know, to dominate that offense, possibly to an even larger extent. And uh, Rudolph might be used in the red zone, uh, so he could have some value just with his ability to score touchdowns, but I wouldn't really expect him to take a, a large step forward. So I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Perfect. Yeah, I, I completely agree about Ertz being more talented than Rudolph. I think we kind of know what Rudolph is. Um, there were a lot of people who were down on Ertz a couple of years ago before his breakout came in because he was kind of one of those guys like Ebron where there were all these breakout articles written about him when he was so young. Um, and tight ends take a little while to break out. So a lot of people got down on Ertz after drafting him and having him not break out. And then the real breakout came through. And it wasn't even uh, last season, 2016, he had a good year, but nobody really went crazy for him until he started scoring the touchdowns in this most recent season. And he just, he won a lot of championships for teams that either had Todd Gurley or didn't have to face Todd Gurley. All right, before we get into No Shit Shit No, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Road of His radio channel on iTunes. Uh, do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, live a re- leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to a future episode to hear if you're the winner. Uh, you can also rate and review 
the individual show feed for this show, the Fantasy Football Report. Uh, in fact, we have a an FFPC $35 entry to give away to anyone who reviews the Fantasy Football Report feed. So go ahead and do that. Leave a review with your name in it. We'll give away an entry to a $35 FFPC league on a future episode, probably in a couple weeks. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. Now let's get into no shit shit no. First item up, after an uneven 2017 campaign, the Falcons want Austin Hooper to be more consistent this season. No shit. Of course they want him to be more consistent. Um, but I don't think it's going to become him suddenly being a fantasy asset, especially with the addition of Calvin Ridley. That's a very strong take, and I actually like that a lot. I think the uh, Calvin Ridley draft pick in the first round shows that this team might move to a heavier three-wide formations, which sort of renders Austin Hooper more so, even though he's going to, maybe he'll run more more pass routes, we don't know, but really that that kind of shows you what you need to know. ESPN.com's Mike Reese considers Jordan Matthews a lock to make the Patriots' initial 53-man roster. No shit. Uh, the Patriots really need wide receivers with Edelman injured and kind of a lot of question marks. It seems that they have less guys than they're used to having. Um, and Matthews was really good. Like two years ago, we were drafting him in the third round. Everybody was excited. He was going to lead Chip Kelly's offense and targets. He had a pretty good percentage of his catches being touchdowns. Uh, he was he was looking very interesting and had kind of a down year with injuries and being on Buffalo, which I don't know if anybody can be blamed <laughs> for being bad on Buffalo. It's kind of what they do. Um, so I I think that it's a nice move by the Patriots to grab a guy who's still very interesting and young. And it looks like he may end up being pretty significant, at least early in the season while Edelman's out. The New York Post, Brian Costello, doesn't see the Jets moving on from Jermaine Kirst this summer. No shit. Uh, I think Kurtz will probably start. He knows the offense. He was pretty decent for them last year at times. Uh, so I think aside, um, alongside Robbie Anderson, he'll be probably their wide receiver too, but he may lose some snaps to Pryor and Anuel will probably be in the slot. Yeah, that Jets' offense, on paper, it looks fairly poor, but there's definite value in guys like Kurtz. And Anuel's going fairly late. Pryor's not even being drafted. You know, there's plenty to go on over here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sam Darnold as a possible streamer down the stretch? Um, it would have to be against a really bad defense because there's just so many quarterbacks that I can't imagine a situation where I'm relying on Sam Darnold. Uh, but I've been risky in the past with starting quarterbacks. So in a good matchup, if he played well for maybe a string of games, I would take a chance. Joe Mixon has slimmed down to 218 pounds. I feel good, said Mixon. I feel like I'm in really good shape. Uh, smells a little bit like uh, training camp. We've got our first uh, best shape of the season uh, blurb, I think. So what are your thoughts here? I would say no shit. We, we get that all the time. Everybody says they're feeling great. They are, their bodies aren't getting battered and beaten every week, so they're still feeling good. Um, but I do think that dropping weight for Mixon is good, and I think that he'll be better this season. Uh, he still may be drafted a little high, but we're going to see a better Joe Mixon this season, I think. Yeah, imagine reading a blurb that said, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> According to ESPN's Jamison Henley, Brashad Perriman is in a battle to make the Ravens' week one roster. Uh, no shit. 
Uh, I think Perriman's done. I mean, last season, Perriman had 35 targets. He caught 10 of them for 77 receiving yards. So no shit, you're battling to make the roster. Oh, well, good luck to Brashard Perriman. I traded him away a second round pick for him in a dynasty uh, rookie draft, and it became that pick became John Ross. So who's the winner there? No one knows yet. Um, <laughs> Deshaun Watson expects to be a full go for Texans training camp next week. I hope so. Um, it's always tough to read these situations. Uh, obviously, we're not doctors. We don't get to see them every day. We don't know how they're feeling. Uh, but I really hope that he's doing well because football is a lot more fun when Deshaun Watson's playing. The advocate considers Brandon Coleman on the Saints 53-man roster bubble. Uh, no shit. I mean, he's behind Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, Trey Colin Smith. So I guess he's battling to be their fifth or sixth wide receiver. Um, he's definitely no lock to make the team, but he's shown that he can be useful at times. Mike Jurecki of azcardinals.com considers Chad Williams, Bryce Butler, and J.J. Nelson to be next in line behind Larry Fitzgerald on the Cardinals' receiving depth chart. Shit, no. Uh, Christian Kirk's breakout age and his production makes him look really good. He's similar to guys like Randall Cobb and Stephen Diggs. Uh, so the draft capital that they invested and how he looks as a prospect, it just seems unlikely that he's sitting on the bench for long. So maybe... Maybe he starts the season behind some of those guys, but he's the kind of guy that if he's dropped early in the year, he should get snaps late in the year when the Cardinals want to see uh, what he is. So I think he makes an interesting uh, pickup if he's dropped early in the season. Broncos coach Vance Joseph said he expects the team to use two to three, quote, main backs. Um, unfortunately, I think this is the way of the modern NFL. Uh, the Patriots have kind of laid out this blueprint, which I can't believe they drafted Sony Michelle. Um, when they have a James White and uh, Gillisley or a Burkhead as the power back. So I could see the Broncos doing the same thing where they play Devontae Booker on passing downs and they have Royce Freeman for early downs. Uh, so I definitely see that as hugely possible and probably likely. Yeah, I just want to add something here. I fully expect that Royce Freeman will at some point take over complete workhorse carries if only because DeAndre Henderson is still a bit of a question mark, and we've seen Royce uh, Devontae Booker fail to really take over this backfield two seasons now, once where he was a rookie and was given the lion's share of opportunity. And last season when they brought in a uh, Jamal Charles coming off a a horrific ACL tear, and they still opted to use him in hurry-up situations. So if Freeman really is the guy who we think he is, this should be his backfield. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree with you. Um, I actually wrote an article for Rotoviz about Royce Freeman. I think that he, just as a prospect, looks about a thousand times better than Booker. And Booker, we pretty much know, is just a guy. Uh, he, for his career, is averaging like 3.6 yards per carry, and he's already like 26 years old. So if you look at those guys who are averaging fewer than four yards per carry and have yet to reach a thousand career rushing yards at 26 years old, uh, your success rate is very low. Uh, I can't argue that he's been serviceable or good in the passing game. Um, but if Royce Freeman is kind of the special player that we expect him to be, there's no reason why he shouldn't overtake Booker. Jess's wide receiver coach, Carl Dorrell, expects Robbie Anderson to explode and become a more complete player this season. Shit, no. This, this is what coaches do. They build up players. And I think Anderson was really good last year. 
and he's a good pick at his ADP, but don't draft him because of what his wide, re- wide receiver coach is saying. That's kind of what wide receiver coaches do. They'll build up their players, give them confidence, uh, but we shouldn't be drafting fantasy players based off what their wide receiver coaches are saying. Colts GM Chris Ballard said Andrew Luck will be good to go for the start of training camp. Uh, let's say no shit because God, I hope he's ready for next season. Um, I think it's entering one of those situations where we just, I mean, he looks like he's going to be ready, but it got into a situation where we don't really know what's going on. Almost like the Kawhi Leonard in San San Antonio thing. You can speculate all you want, but we don't know exactly what was going on with luck and why it's taken this long, but it looks like we're not out of the woods yet, but it looks like he will probably be ready to play this season. Yeah, I'm fairly certain Luck is going to be there. I'm just curious how he looks coming back, you know? Definitely. And that's a big concern because like T.Y. Hilton is a bargain at his current ADP if Luck is his regular self, but he's re- we're relying on Luck being good at throwing the deep ball and being a really good player. And after missing a year, I think that his mind is really good. And that's kind of what leads me back to being optimistic about it. Because I mean, we looked at Peyton Manning throw ducks for a whole season, and he dominated because he knows how the offense should run. He knows how to read the defense. He changes plays at the line. And I think that Luck is smart enough to get by regardless. I mean, I don't want to say how bad his arm is, but as long as his arm is serviceable, I think Luck will be fine. Chargers GM Tom Telesco remains open to the possibility of re-signing free agent Antonio Gates. No shit. Uh, After Hunter Henry's injury, which I'm still devastated about, uh, the Chargers really have no choice other than signing somebody off the street. Gates is familiar with the team, and although he isn't a good football player anymore, he has a connection with Phillip Rivers, and it kind of makes logical sense at this point. Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times expects Chris Carson to open training camp as the Seahawks' lead running back. Shit, no. Uh, I think it's possible that Carson starts training camp as a lead back, but I think that at this point, the Seahawks are committed to Rashad Penny, and I think that he'll be the starter by the time the season starts, but it may be one of those situations where they want him earning his touches in training camp. So I can see it happening up to that point. Yeah, that's a good take. I'm I'm really with you. I can't see how Chris Carson, Mike Davis, or JD McKissick, a bunch of guys who really honestly did nothing last year. Thomas Rawls scored their only other rushing touchdown that wasn't run by Russell Wilson. No wonder they overreacted and took Benny in the first. I really think that this is Benny's job to lose, and barring injury, it's his backfield week one. Bears coach Matt Nagy is confident Jordan Howard can be an every down player. No shit. Of course he can be an every down player. Uh, but it's almost proven at this point that he's not very effective in the passing game. I think that he can improve, but he's not going to change the type of player that he is. He's just not a natural player in the passing game. And regardless of what Nagy says, we know that Cohen's going to be playing on passing downs. Uh, so naturally, I think Howard could catch more passes because the offense is going to be more aggressive. They'll be throwing to running backs and the offense will just be better. Um, but that doesn't mean he'll be playing on third downs. Yeah, what I'm actually really interested in, and I was hoping to get your thoughts on this, Mike, uh, do you think they're going to be playing with a quicker pace, which in turn sort of just sort of results in more rushing and receiving opportunities for Howard? So at least we might have seen the bottom for him last year, or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think we'll see more pace. I think the offense will be more successful. Um, So when you win games, you get more total plays, and I think they'll definitely run more plays than last season. 
Uh, and I think that Nagy is going to be innovative and is he going to be fun to watch as a coach? And I mean, even Shanahan, when he started last season for the 49ers, they weren't winning games, but they generated enough offense to be reliable and relevant in fantasy. And I think we can definitely expect the same from Nagy. One thing I think Nagy has also said is that he kind of sees Tariq Cohen as a Tyreek Hill sort of player. And, uh, you know, kind of given the question marks they have at wide receiver behind Allen Robinson, I would you know, almost expect them to have a lot more plays with both Howard and Cohen on the field, uh, maybe with Cohen in the slot or something. So, uh, yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, it will be interesting to see because they drafted Anthony Miller, they signed Allen Robinson, and then they also signed Taylor Gabriel, and that's all the new coaching staff. Um, so there's three wide receivers right there. Maybe he views Cohen is so special that he'll play over those three. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Howard fits in his offense. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 NFL season is almost here, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interests and budget. Whether it's best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts filling daily starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or live draft today. Also, the FFPC features the world's greatest contest in season-long fantasy football. Come to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino in Las Vegas this September and draft the FFPC main event while spending opening NFL weekend in Vegas with hundreds of diehards just like you. Can't make it to Vegas? Then draft online from the comfort of home and compete for the massive $250,000 grand prize with over $2 million in total cash prizes in this year's contest. Don't miss the FFPC experience, wrote of his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now and bear in mind i'm also playing those ffpc best ball leagues we've got a league uh and a free entry to give away please rate and review our personal feed on itunes hopefully i'll see you in my lobby all right moving on to news item number three marlon mack has been cleared for the start of training camp uh mack sat out otas while recovering from shoulder surgery but should see his usual reps while or when training camp opens next thursday so, Mike, what kind of role do you see Marlon Mack playing in this offense next season? And how do you see rookies Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins fitting in with the offense? Uh, and what role, if any, will Robert Turbin or Christine Michael play this season? So I see Mack starting the season with control of the early down carries, uh, kind of like Jeremy Langford the year that Jordan Howard broke out. I think that he'll kind of start out the year with the carries. The issue is he's really a tough guy to get a read on. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, but he was buried at or behind the line of scrimmage on 33% of his carries, which was the second most in the NFL. Um, but he was also great for yards uh, after contact. So I could see him doing well with luck there. Luck puts him in situations to succeed, but I could also see him struggle because we don't know that he's very good at this point. So if he struggles early in the year, I think that Wilkins will get carries. Um, but I really view Mac as like a big boomer bust guy. He's a guy that could really benefit, even if he's just a guy from having an Andrew Luck and being on an offense that moves the ball. Uh, but I could also see him just being worse than the running backs who are behind him. Hines, I see kind of having a role of his own on passing downs because he's very different than the other backs on the team. So I see him being like a satellite back, like a Woodhead or a Sproles for the Colts. And I think Reich knows how important having that skill set and that role is and nobody else on that team really has that role 
Um, so I think that Hines will be useful regardless. Backers News' Aaron Nagler expects Jimmy Graham to get a majority of his snaps on the outside this season. Mike, given that the Packers' receiving core is fairly barren after Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, do you expect Jimmy Graham has a higher yardage ceiling as a backer? And who do you think the wide receivers to target in this offense should be? And who will be the best fantasy option this season? So I think that Aaron Rodgers surely helps whoever he's throwing to. So I think that helps Graham. But I'm concerned at this stage of his career, uh, he's not the great yardage guy that he used to be. I mean, he had 120 or 520 receiving yards last season. So I think that he can outperform that. I mean, it would require like 33 receiving yards per game if he can play all 16 games. But he's almost more like a goal line back now. So I think if he outperforms his ADP, it's more going to be through touchdowns than through yardage and a ton of receptions. Um, I, and while I do think it's very possible that he does outperform his ADP, I'd probably rather take my shot with other tight ends like Delaney Walker or Ertz or maybe Gronk in the second or third round. Um, for the Packers' third wide receiver, I don't know who it's going to be at the end of the year, but I don't think Geronimo Allison is very good. And I don't think he's going to be reliable if he wins the wide receiver three job. Uh, Allison's 6'3", but he only weighs 196 pounds. He ran a 4.6740. He's not agile. He doesn't jump well. His college production wasn't very good. So there's really no reason for me to think he's a compelling option other than being in this offense and maybe a lack of competition. Uh, but I think he's just a guy, and I find somebody like Jamon Moore to be more interesting. Uh, but I don't know if either is going to have a big impact this season without an injury. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I'm not too excited about uh, really any receivers. Even some of the reports about Randall Cobb being in a walking boot are giving me some pause. I'm not uh, not really even that interested in drafting him. You know, I think if Jimmy Graham can come in and sort of replicate at least what Jordy gave them last year, which wasn't a whole lot, maybe just improve on the touchdown numbers, that would be uh, sort of enough to return value if he can, you know, I mean, Nelson had Nelson didn't even have 500 receiving yards. So, um, I mean, if Graham can do that, I don't know if that would get him to be a value at his ADP, but it might be uh, might be enough to give the Packers' offense what they're looking for. I would. I'm going to come in, chime in, and say that I wish Dez would sign with the Packers. Just just from a curiosity standpoint, I'd love to see how it would go. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's uh, certainly you know you don't feel great about Allison or any necessarily any of the rookies they drafted i mean they they took a bunch of guys but they're all sort of unknowns jamon moore is interesting like you said but yeah i think bringing des in to shake things up um could be interesting i probably would not you know wouldn't have much fantasy interest in him even if he signed with the packers but uh definitely could be interesting to watch yeah i mean a, a while back we we fleshed out a couple of scenarios wherein diamond Montgomery made a lot of sense uh, as your uh, as a later RB pick, uh, especially because of his uh, ability as a receiver. I think the opportunity of Des signing here kind of hinges on uh, Aaron Rodgers' contract. Uh, and considering that the Packers haven't got him uh, under an extension here, I don't know how much cap there will be. Maybe Des should lower his demands. I don't know how much cap there will be out there. Maybe this is what, uh, you know, that's the once Rodgers signs, maybe this is maybe you'll see Des sign up with the Packers. I'm with you guys in terms of I don't know who to take in terms of the wide receiver three. I've got Geronimo Allison in some deep dynasty leagues. Um, I took 
about Jamon Moore and a couple of other dynasty leagues. Uh, I'm probably playing this all wrong. And the guy who it, it really is, is uh, Marquez Vandes Scantling or whatever his name <laughs> is that I can't pronounce. So that's on me. Do either of you guys find yourselves drafting Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones? I've taken equal opportunity at, at both. Uh, I think I have equal shares of both. Uh, I kind of liked Ty Montgomery a lot more when he started the season and, and people were kind of sour on how he let them down as a third round pick and he was going in the late double digit rounds. His price has really skyrocketed since then. And I don't know what to do with his backfield. What, what about you guys? I have been taking some Aaron Jones, uh, a little Williams, but I'm more, more intrigued by what Aaron Jones does. He just looked a lot more explosive when he was playing last year. Uh, the two game suspension is not a good thing by any means, but it does lower his price a bit. So makes him a little bit easier to acquire and he'll, uh, you know, I would hope come back in after two games and, uh, be able to take some of that share away. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, Blair. I think that Ty Montgomery may have the third downs. I mean, depending, I think if Cobb got injured, they may move him to wide receivers or he can be in the slot. So who knows how everything would shake out in that scenario. But I think if Montgomery is going to outperform his ADP, it's going to be by third down snaps because he was kind of ineffective rushing the ball on first and second down. So I think the Packers want to have Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones having those carries. And I think that Aaron Jones was superior. Uh, it just seems that uh, Jamal Williams blocked well and the Packers seem to like him. And now that there's suspension, maybe he has a little time that Aaron Jones doesn't to secure the role. But if you like Aaron Jones more like I do, I think that the suspension kind of moves his ADP back and it gives zero running back teams the opportunity to get a running back that could be really good uh, in a situation that fits your drafting strategy. So it's really an interesting opportunity for zero running back drafters. Totally agree with that. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. Also rate and review the individual channel for the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Mike Brody. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.